This motivational message was recorded on my radio show, Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hi, I'm Matt McQuinley, and today I want to talk about a story that I was taught by my year eight history teacher, Grant Harwig. Thank you, Grant, wherever you are. Today we talked in part about how leadership is service, how one must lead by example, and how one of the main objectives of leadership is to reproduce oneself. One of the greatest examples of this is the story of Raoul Wallenberg. This story is about a young Swedish man named Raoul Wallenberg, who was born to privilege. His family owned one of the largest banks in Sweden. Being born to privilege, he did not feel entitled. He understood the concept that to whom much is given, much is expected. His family decided to have him educated at the University of Michigan in the United States. When they could have sent him to Harvard, Yale, any other great Ivy League school, they sent him there because they wanted him to learn the Midwestern values of honesty, integrity, and hard work. After graduation, Raoul Wallenberg decided he wanted to travel the United States. And as a rich person, he could have done that in style. But instead, he decided to travel the United States as a hobo. Pretending to be penniless, he hopped trains across America and survived merely by his wits. He says this is where he developed skills in diplomacy and thinking on his feet that he would need later, as we will see. In 1944, Hungary, then an ally of Nazi Germany, secretly was trying to negotiate peace with the Allies. Hitler heard of this, immediately invaded Hungary in March of 1944. As a result, the Jews of Hungary, which had come through the Holocaust relatively unscathed up until this point, were now exposed to the true horrors and terrors of the Holocaust. Raoul Wallenberg lobbied and received a diplomatic post from the government of Sweden so that he could go into Hungary as a diplomat and try to save as many Jews as he could. By the time he arrived in Hungary, early July 1944, only 230,000 of 655,000 Jews were still left in Hungary. He set to work quickly, boldly, and decisively. He created what he called Swedish protective passports, which turned Hungarian Jews into instant Swedish citizens. And as such, they were protected by Swedish neutrality. This was not legal, but it looked official. And with bribes in the right places, it tended to work. Until the German government found all of these passports and deemed them invalid. So what did Wallenberg do then? He convinced the wife of the... German foreign affairs minister in Hungary to convince her husband to allow him to print 9,000 of these passports. He printed way more than that. And the government could never figure out which were legit and which weren't, saving untold thousands of Jews. He then rented 32 buildings around Hungary, hung huge Swedish flags upon them, and declared them branch embassies of Sweden and therefore Swedish sovereign territory. As such, he was able to house another 10,000 Jews there. On another occasion, he actually jumped on top of a railroad car taking Jews to Auschwitz and was handing the Swedish protective passports down into the passengers while being fired upon by German soldiers. On yet another occasion, he was walking to work at the Swedish embassy and he saw German soldiers lashing Hungarian Jews together two by two. 
Then they would proceed to shoot one of them in the head and let them fall off the bridge into the Danube. The other Jew, of course, would drown in horror. Raoul Wallenberg ran back to the Swedish embassy, grabbed every single person he could find who could swim without explanation. They ran back to the bridge, and as they were being dropped into the water, they would jump in and pull them out, saving their lives. Two or three days before the Russians took Budapest, the Germans had orders to blow up and liquidate the Jewish ghetto in Budapest. They'd already done this in other cities like Warsaw. While in hiding himself, Raoul Wallenberg was able to convince the German generals to not follow this order, as he would make sure himself they were prosecuted for war crimes after the war's conclusion. There were 70,000 Jews in the ghetto at that time. The Jews were spared. What can we learn from this? Well, we do know that some historians credit Raoul Wallenberg with saving between 5,000 and 100,000 people. Regardless of this, among those saved was a future U.S. congressman and also a world-renowned biochemist who sat on the Nobel Prize Committee. Whether it was 5,000 or 100,000, if you consider the children, the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren of those survivors, the number is in the tens, if not hundreds of thousands. So what do we learn from this? Too many things to discuss in the time we have now, but one thing we can ask ourselves is if that one person, untrained and unarmed, can stand against one of the most powerful and ruthless and terrible regimes in history with just his wits and a fast tongue and save countless lives and reproduce himself by inspiring and building a team of 340 other people operating independently of himself to save countless others, what difference can you or I make in other people's lives? We don't have the adversity he had. There are opportunities every day, every hour, almost every minute to make a difference. And there are two kinds of people listening to this message right now. One that will say, that's a nice story, Matt. And the other that will say, if he can do it, I can make a difference. I will try. The real question is, which one are you?